different, whole lot different. <laughs> yeah, oh man. Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Um, we got this mic on because we have a testimony. Now, who's going to share it tonight? You are. Okay, so before we get started, we have a testimony. So, Manny, go, go for it. I want to thank all of you for your prayers because I was very, very sick. My friends was sick, and I was sick. And my husband was very sick. And I got over it in two days, and it has already taken him seven, and he's still not over it. <laughs> and so, thank you, Lord, <laughs> for relieving me of all of this nastiness. And thank you, all of you, for all of your prayers to get me through it. Yeah, give, give me a clap offering. That's God. Well, I just think of all the, you know, the, the testimonies that we've, we've had as a reminder of what God is doing. You know, God is working not just behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes. So um, real quick, um, let's pray for those that are sick, because we have quite a few that are sick. And uh, so and I want to, Linda Cox had her 80th birthday on um, Halloween, right? So I talked to her today. So when she gets back, I want to wish her a happy birthday. So I'm excited about that, but let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight, and let's pray for Israel as well and all that's going on there. <clears throat> Father, again, we're reminded that you're the God that heals. <clears throat> you sent your son 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for not only our sins and inequities and our transgressions, but also for our pains and sorrows, which means, Lord, sicknesses and diseases. So, Lord, we thank you that by his wounds, as it says in Isaiah 53, by his wounds, we are healed. We pray that over our church, over our community, and over our nation, both physically and spiritually. <clears throat> I pray, Father, for a great revival to come, which you can do. And I pray, Father, that you would start here in our hearts tonight and in this church. Father, we lift up Israel. Lord, again, as I've stated the last few weeks and as your word states, those that bless Israel will be blessed. Those that curse Israel will be cursed. So, Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the blessing of Israel. And, Lord, I pray for the innocent on both sides. Uh, Lord, that you would bring salvation to both the Jews and the Palestinians. God, that, that salvation would come to them, that you would reveal yourself to them. And so, Lord, we pray again for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for that administration. We pray that our administration would come behind and support Israel in what they're doing. We thank you for tonight. We honor you. We praise you. And we lift up your name. For your name is great and greatly to be praised. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Would you please stand as we get ready for worship?
wonderful counselor, the spirit of comfort. Lord, 
Lord, for those that need comfort tonight. Bring comfort to their hearts. Those that need counsel tonight, bring counsel to their hearts. Lord, you said that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us into all truth. Guide us tonight, Lord. Let our hearts be open and our ears attentive to what you want to do tonight in our hearts. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. Boy, that brings back a lot of memories for me. You know, there was... As a kid growing up in the vineyard, the Denver vineyard, uh, there were some times God would really just move, and then there were other times it was just a sweet presence. Um, boy, I could tell you all kinds of stories from when I was a kid of what God did. So, But on another note tonight, so um, God is good. All the time. All the time. Well, do you guys have your Bibles? Yes. Um, you know, we're in the book of Daniel, and... Uh, um, we turn this on. I always forget to turn this thing on. I start clicking on it, and, you know, it's like a remote control, you know. So um, we're in the book of Daniel, a godly man who remained faithful. This is, we're following up on part two that we didn't finish last time. Uh, in Daniel chapter four, we're going to read verses 28 through 37. Uh, the dream is fulfilled. Remember, we looked at how Daniel had interpreted the dream. And, and, and the wonderful thing about Daniel, and we need to keep this in, in remembrance for ourselves, uh, Daniel was good at this. He always gave God glory f- and recognition for what happened. Yes. Anything that we do for God, God needs to get the glory. Yes. He gets the recognition. Yes. The abilities that you and I have are because God gave them to us. Amen. You hear me say that all the time, but it's the truth. Yes. You know, um, some of us have a lot of abilities and some of us have a few. Uh, I've told you my one few ability is I talk a lot. Um, my girls tell me that a lot. So, <laughs> But, you know, we all have some kind of ability. And uh, God gets the recognition. So uh, Daniel had interpreted the dream, and now the dream is going to be fulfilled. So um, let's read verses 28 through 37, then we're going to pray. And I've just titled the message, A God-Given Interpretation. So Daniel chapter 4, verse, verses 28 through 37 It says, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is the sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from his people and ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle. And his, his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven. And my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. 
No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne, and I became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just pray that you will remind us of the dangers of pride tonight for all of us. And remember that, Lord, you give grace to the humble, but you oppose the proud. I pray, Father, that you would help all of us to remember that you died on the cross for our sins. We owe you everything. You don't owe us anything. You paid a debt that we cannot return. But, Lord, you gave us grace and mercy. And so, Father, I pray that through tonight, as we study not only the book of Daniel, but the life of Nebuchadnezzar here, that you will open up our eyes and understanding. Help us to take the word and apply it to our life. Soften the soil of our hearts. Let that seed be planted of your word and take root and grow. And again, Father, as your vessel, I can speak nothing apart from you. Speak through me what you want to say. Help me get out of the way so that you can work in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So last week we did look at this. God's plans will not be what? Changed. Uh, and I go back to 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22, uh, when Paul says that it has always been yes in Christ. The promises, of, uh, the promises of God are yes and amen in who? In Christ. So if, has God made promises over your life? I, I, you know, I, I, that's a rhetorical question. That's something for you and uh, between you and God. But God will speak promises over your life. I believe in the prophetic. My mom, let me give you a couple of examples for, for my life. Back in 2003, my mom and I were praying together. I'm so glad I have a godly mom. You know, I didn't have a dad that went to church, but my mom, you know, she, she got saved a year before I was born and uh, led me to the Lord uh, a month before I turned eight. I've told you the date, April 19, 1984. Of course, she was Pentecostal, so that same day I got saved, she prayed for me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And kids don't think about that stuff, they just believe. So, um, you know, we're, I, I'm going, now I just lost my train of thought. I haven't done that in a while. Okay, going back. So in 2003, Mom and I were together, and we're praying together. And I was a bivocational pastor, but I worked full-time for Tulsa County. I laid asphalt, ran heavy equipment. You know, I had a blue-collar job. That's what I did in the military. That's what I did for Tulsa County. And we're praying together, and she said, well, you know, Marcus, I, I saw a picture for you, and I saw you, and this is not about me. Understand that. This is Jesus, right? right? Jesus is the one that does all this. But she says, I see you're like this lighthouse to a dark and bare land, and the light that you're emitting is, is going to draw people to Christ when your ministry starts. Well, I was already involved in ministry. I didn't know what she meant by that. 2003, 2012, God led me into full-time ministry, we, were, we took a calling in Upton, Wyoming. Our daughter was born in December. My mom and dad came out to visit for her birth. And my mom said, it is dark and barren out here. Well, in the dream, she said it was dark and barren, and there was a light going around. And she says, you're like a lighthouse. Well, they drove up, and the church that we were pastoring was Lighthouse Assembly of God. <laughs> and on the sign was a beam of light 
going across. So God will direct and lead your life. Now let me share another one. Mom said we were standing at the top of a waterfall. And I was looking over my shoulder at an oak tree where I was serving. What's the theme of this church? An oak tree. The reason why I bring this up is God has promises for your life. I'm speaking from personal experience. If God speaks a promise of your life, hold on to that. Set it up on a shelf. John Wimber always said that. Take it and set it up on a shelf and wait for God to fulfill it. If it's God, it will be fulfilled and confirmed. God will confirm those things. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go look at the gifts of the Spirit. So God is using Daniel to speak something. He spoke and interpreted the dream that God had given Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, I, here's another example. Remember Joseph. Joseph had that for Pharaoh, remember? About the, the fat cows and the skinny cows. The seven fat cows were devoured by the skinny fat cows, which meant seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine, and the seven years of famine were going to be worse than the seven years of plenty. I rem remember last week I shared about the dream that Three weeks before 9-11, I had a dream that night that I was called back into the Air Force and I was in my desert BDUs and bombs were going off and we went to war against Iraq. Yeah. That same morning, my mom had a dream that she was a lady in a skyscraper either in Chicago or New York. And an American Airlines, she, I remember her saying, I said, Mom, it could have been a Delta Airlines. She goes, no, I remember because it had the big eagle on it. And it was either a 767 or 757 that crashed into the bit, top of the building and I was that lady on the top floor and all, all hope was gone and I was following. And I went, Mom, it's just a dream. Three weeks later, 9-11 happened. What were the two planes that crashed into the tower? American Airlines. What were they? 757 and 767. I grew up around airplanes, so if you know what the two designations are, you would know that. But So, and then... Who would have known we went to war against Iraq two years later? So God will prophetically speak into your life. And that's what he's doing here to Nebuchadnezzar, to an ungodly king. God will speak to ungodly people to get their attention. So Daniel interprets it, and now it is fulfilled. Verse 28, look at verse 28. All this happened... All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar 12 months later as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. He said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of what? My majesty. Everything we do, again, should be for whose glory? For God's. It doesn't matter what it is. If, if you're doing good and what you're doing, give God glory. If you're struggling, be like Job. God, I give you praise regardless of the circumstances. Now, that's easy to say, yeah. right? It's easy for me to say that, but when you're going through it, it's like, but pastor, you don't understand. No, I know, because I'm not in your situation. But we've all had situations that are difficult, but we need to have the same attitude as Job did. So Nebuchadnezzar standing up on this roof, and King Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up in what? Pride. Pride. Pride comes before a what? Fall. Have you noticed all the great individuals that were prideful? What happens eventually? They fall. Now, I'm not going to point any individual out because that's between them and the Lord. Because <laughs> that's pride, right? So 
Let's go to Isaiah. We looked at this last week, but I want to go back to this again. Isaiah chapter 14. Remember I talked about this last week, how um, Nebuchadnezzar and Satan had the same issue, pride. And it's interesting that they're mentioned in this same passage of Scripture. Isaiah 14, verses 1 through 17. Isaiah 14, verses 1 through 17. I know we're recapping from last week, but it's important that we know this. So Isaiah chapter 14 says, The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. Let's stop there for a minute. Hey, God has compassion on Jacob, Israel. What's going on over there? That's still God's nation. You, hear, you heard me say it on Sunday, and you'll probably hear, hear me say it every weekend because that's God still, that's his nation. There's a thing called Reformed theology that they believe that us Christians have replaced the Jews. We have not replaced the Jews. That's still God's chosen people. And did he settle them back in their own land? Yes, I got the date wrong. It was 1948. In 1948, he settled them back in their land. After 2,000 years, they're the only people group in the world that had been dispersed as a nation and came back after 2,000 years. There's no other nation that's ever done that. Right there should tell you somebody's in charge. It's called God, right? Yeah. That's his nation. Yeah. So aliens will join them and unite with the house of Jacob. I wonder if the aliens refer to us. I don't know, you know, Gentiles. But anyways, going on, verse 2, I'd have to do some study on that. Nations will take them and bring them to their own place. And the house of Israel possess the nations as men servant and maid servants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. On the day the Lord gives you relief from suffering and turmoil and cruel bondage, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. Now understand, again, in the book of Isaiah, he's speaking not only of future things, but of future, future things. Does that make sense? Did, I, did you guys get me? Because I don't want to lose you. He's speaking of how God was going to overthrow the Babylonian empire. And after 70 years, because remember, the Israelites were in captivity. They were in captivity for 70 years. God was going to bring them back to their land. And then he's also speaking of the future that I just talked about. Yeah. I love how God does that. He's, he like covers two or three things all at once. Yeah. God is the great multitasker. That's where all you ladies got it from. You got it from God. <laughs> I am not a multitasker. I think I've shared this with you before, but how many of you guys have ever seen Mythbusters? I'm going to share it again. They did this whole study with men. They took, they took 10 men and they took 10 women. And they had, a, they had a bed, and they had an ironing board, and they had food, and they had this little electronic baby that would crawl out the door, and they had a timer set. All ten women could do it in an amount of time. Only one man was able to do it. So we're just not multitaskers. If you're a multitasker, praise the Lord. You're unique. So, but going on, he says, look, look at this. He's speaking over the king of Babylon. How the oppressor has come to an end. How his fury has ended. The Lord has broken the rod of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which in anger struck down peoples with unsensing blows and in fury subdued nations with relentless aggression. All the lands are at rest and at peace. They break into singing. Even the pine trees and the cedars of Lebanon exalt over you and say, now that you have been laid low, no woodsman comes to cut us down. Now, this is the interesting thing. The grave below is all astir to meet you at your coming. 
It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you. All those who were leaders in the world, it makes them rise from their thrones, all those who were kings over the nations. They will all respond. They will say to you, you also have become weak as we are. You have become like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave, along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you, and worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. I'm going to stop there for a minute. I want to, this is the definition. The morning, the words morning star comes from the Hebrew word helelel, and I probably said that wrong. I thought I sounded great, but, and it means Lucifer, which means light bearer, shining one, morning star, Lucifer of the king of Babylon and Satan. It's describing the king of Babylon, but it's also describing who? Satan. The king of Babylon was raised up in pride. What was Satan raised up in? Pride. He's describing both individuals. Again, I shared with you last week, if you go into the book of Revelation, he not only speaks of a, a revived Roman Empire, but he speaks of the mystery Babylon. Abraham and the Israelites always represented the things of the, of the Lord, but Babylon always represented the things of the world. Babylon comes again from Babel, where the Tower of Babel was, where they wanted to make themselves like who? Like God. Again, pride. And we're seeing that today. Are we seeing that coming together today? We are in our time. So he says, how you have fallen from heaven, and I'm going to put in there Lucifer, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount Assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the grave to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made the kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a desert, who overthrew its cities and would not let its captives go home? Right here is a definition and explanation of not only of Babylon, but of Satan, but all of us. And you say, what, all of us? When, when the devil tempted Eve in the garden, he says, your eyes will be opened and you will be like what? God. Remember the three things? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. So one, late, one year later, God fulfilled his plan for Nebuchadnezzar. Again, God's plans won't be changed. The only person that can change his plans is who? God. <laughs> He's not going to change. Sometimes, he, he, there have been a couple times, but again, God is omnipotent. He's, that's right. And so, that's right. And so God can do whatever he wants. If God decides, you know what, we're going to hold back, he can hold back. If God says it's on, it's on. He is God. And so that's why we don't set a timetable when Jesus back, because Jesus, when Jesus comes back, because Jesus says only the Father knows, right? right? Only the Father sets the time and the dates. Boy, wouldn't that be great if it happened tonight? We wouldn't be able to go out and sight my rifle in this week, Ron, if that happened. So one year later, God fulfills his plan. Twelve months later, back, uh, Nebuchadnezzar talks about himself. Let's look at verse 30. He said, Is not this the great Babylon I have what? Built? 
as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. How many men have done that? How many people have done that in ministry? It's my ministry. It's my church. It's, it's what I did. No, it's none of that. It's God's church. It's his ministry. It's his abilities that he gives you. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? So when God says he's going to do something, you can count on it, he will do it. Now that's for good and for bad, right? If God says, hey, get your house in order, I'm going to deal with you like he did Hezekiah. Now, that's the interesting thing. Hezekiah prayed. God said, okay, I'll give you 15 more years. But you know what's bad about that? His son became one of the most evil kings in Israel and turned them away from the Lord. So be careful what you pray for. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 23, I shared this earlier. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ and throw through him. The amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed and set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Hallelujah, that's a great thing. You get born again, what, is, what happens? He places his Holy Spirit inside of you. So if you're born again tonight, guess what? Guess who's inside of you? The Holy Spirit. The God that holds the universe in his hand lives inside of you and I. That's why you and I have dynamite power. Divine power. The man's best definition for divine power is dynamite. We were watching a Little House on the Prairie when they, you know, the last episode when they blew up the whole town. Boy, that was heartbreaking. I love that show. I hated it as a kid, but now that I'm older and I got three daughters, I totally get the show now. <laughs> but they blew, the, blew those buildings. And, and you remember that watching the, how they exploded and the, the, the concussion? You could see some of the boards move. The, the power that's within you and I is greater than that. Yeah. And it's power to be a martyr or a witness. That's what the yeah. word witness means, martyr. Hallelujah. You know, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power to be, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, to be my what? My witnesses, my martyrs. So he has set his ownership on us. And he keeps his promises. Look at, look at this. I call God as my witness, and I stake my life on it, that it was in order to spare you that I did not return. I don't know why that added in there. I just That's a good scripture, by the way. That, I don't know why it added that in. But anyways, next one. King Nebuchadnezzar is driven away from his people and his kingdom, and everything is taken from him. Let's look at verse 31. The words were still on his lips. Now, I love that. God deals with them immediately. He deals with them immediately. The, the, the words were still on his lips, and boom, it was fulfilled. This is what the decree is for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from your people and will live with the wild animals. I'm so glad he has not done that to any of us. Hey, where's pastor at? Well, he got prideful. I think he's out there with the cattle. <laughs> I am very thankful that has not happened. And then he says, you will eat grass like the cattle. Only God can change his digestive system. 
Seven years, that was what he ate. He would have had, to, did he get two, two extra stomachs? I mean, who knows what God did. Have you ever, I, that's the way my, my brain thinks. Think about this. He went from being on twos probably to fours, right? And he's eating grass like cattle. I wonder what the cattle thought. What is this weird guy doing out here? I mean, so look what it says. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Again, the, word, the number seven means accomplished or finished. And I don't know why God picked seven for that. Maybe because it was the accomplishment, the finishment. The, that's not even a word. The finishing of it. You know, and I even looked that up, and sometimes commentaries won't give you an understanding of it, but there, there's got to be a reason why God picked seven, and I still think it's because God wanted to accomplish something. Just think of the people that witnessed this. Think of the people that witnessed what God is doing in your life. Remember on Sunday I shared about our daughters. You know, we're at Walmart. I'm going to share it again. We're at Walmart, right? Remember? And there's, we're buying clothes from it. And I didn't know Stacy was thinking the same thing. Oh, man, how are we going to, this is going to be expensive. How are we going to pay for this, you know? And Walmart used to be cheap to shop at. Now it's like inflation, you know? Even milk. I mean, you buy, I remember as a kid at King Supers in Colorado, my mom would fill up a whole cart full of groceries in the early 80s. And she'd complain that it came to $82. I still remember that. I got a receipt one time of King Supers, and I looked at the prices of things and how cheap everything was. And now you fill up not even a quarter of your car, and it's over a hundred bucks. So we're at Walmart, and here's a guy that has three daughters, and we're sitting there, and his wife's waiting for the, you know, for the fitting room, and and uh, I didn't know Stacy was like thinking the same thing I am, and and. Uh, I said, I'm sorry, my daughters are changing. She goes, no, I get it. I got three daughters. And the husband was, I get it. We got three daughters. We get it. And I was just feeling bad because, you know, they had a lot of clothes they were trying on. Man, I tell you what, I used to go with my sister, but, man, going with three girls, you know. And they, they go through all these clothes, and they come up with one. And I'm going, that makes no sense. That's just the way I don't, I don't I'm still trying to figure that one out. But there was a guy standing there, and we're talking, and it's his daughters, and, and, uh, and, he just started saying, well, you know, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. Again, I never shared with him that I was a Christian. Never shared with him that I was a pastor. Even after he left, I never shared it. And he walks up to me, and he takes $100 bills, and he goes, I won this gambling, and it will keep me from gambling more, and I want to bless you. And I looked at, and I said, no, no, I don't need He goes, no, 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 it will keep me from gambling. I just want to bless you. I got three daughters. So I walk over to Stacy, and I go, Stacy, that guy just blessed me with that. And she goes, oh, I was just thinking about that. And I said, so was I. And I said, God used this guy that was going to use it for gambling to bless us. Yeah. That's the way our God works. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So God can take and bless you, or he can take and punish you. Right. God's also a God of judgment. Yes. I believe what's happening in our nation today is judgment. Yeah. People don't want to admit that. They want to go where the tickling ears make them feel good. But I think it's God's judgment in our country. We have to admit it. We're a nation that's turned our back on God. When the, when the East Coast, like I shared on Sunday, and the West Coast are comparable to the 1040 window. Do you guys know what the 1040 window is? 
If you go on a map, it's called the 1040 window, and it stretches a certain distance. It's usually in, the, in Southeast Asia, which is uh, where I went, Saudi Arabia, when I was in the Air Force and stuff. It's unreached people groups. Who would have ever thought in the United States that we have unreached people groups now? So, God drives him away. He takes everything from him. Everything. Remember, go back to the stump, the tree that's cut down, and all that's left is a stump, and, and, and it said there was iron over the top of it so that it would grow again later on. God had a purpose for it. You think of Job. One's prideful, the other one's not, but sometimes God allows things in our life to bring about the blessing. A description of King Nebuchadnezzar's state following God's judgment. Look at this, verse 33. Immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate, ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers. I mean, he probably never had hair on his back. As I get older, I'm growing hair in spots that I don't want to grow hair on. And I'm not going to tell you. But, you know, I've got this patch up here on my back, and I'm like, man, where in the world did that come from? Listen, I don't mind shit. My wife's probably going to be like, I cannot believe he just said that. But, it, right? Think about a hairy, hairy back. This guy grew hair all over his arms. He became like a creature. Yeah. Only God can do that. I mean, God's the best Rogaine, uh, uh, Rogaine you, know, you can get. I don't know if that's how you say it. Rogaine, is it Rogaine? You know, that medicine you take, it helps your hair grow. But he literally grew, it said, like feathers. That's how long their hair was. He became like a creature. Can God humble you? He can. And that's, that's why we pray for his mercy and his grace. And then it says his body was drenched with the dew of heaven. He was wet. Man, I hate being wet. I, I don't like to be, anybody like to be wet? He's, it, it was like, he probably smelled like a stinky dog that gets wet. I'm, I'm, you got to really think about this. We read this, but we don't think about how it might have looked and, and what he might have looked like. And remember, people are watching this. And there's going to be a testimony at the end, not only for him, but the, his kingdom. Right. That goes back to, are people noticing you? I brought that story up in Walmart because are you emanating the love of Christ? Do people sense the Holy Spirit in your life? Do they see a change in you? So then look, it says, uh, He was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Now our fingernails are flat. That means God did a supernatural thing. He had claws like an eagle. He literally turned into a creature. I believe pride really does that to people. You can be beautiful on the outside, but look ugly by your actions and behavior. That's right. He was beautiful. He had, a, he had these stones. And, and, but what happened? He became ugly and gross and disgusting. Look at verse 34. Uh, here, I got a picture. Can you guys see that picture? I, I could not find a good picture, so this is the best one I could get. Of what he looked like. His whole body covered in hair. Claws. Long hair. 
My wife doesn't like the beard. She likes the goatee. Could you imagine her whole body like that? He was the original Sasquatch. <laughs> and the only one, right? <laughs> Through all of this, Nebuchadnezzar does something. Look at the verses 34 and 35. He finally acknowledges who? God. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven, and my sanity was restored. I think it started in the heart. It was in the heart that he finally raised his eyes to heaven. Guys, when we look to ourselves or to other people to solve our problem, we're, we're prideful like Nebuchadnezzar. God's waiting for us to look our eyes up to him because he's the only one that can help us. And then look what happens. God restores his sanity. Then he does something. Then he says, I praise the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. I think this was a salvation moment in the Old Testament for, for the king of Babylon. I really believe that is this moment that he turned to serving God. He went from an unbeliever to a believer. Guys, if there's somebody that you know that you think is beyond God's reach, there's nobody beyond God's reach. I'm still, you know, my dad had said that he had received the Lord in his heart. I got to believe that. And God's still changing them. We don't know. But listen, you don't stop reaching your loved ones. That's right. It may take a dream. I don't know if you know the story of Jim Simbla. Anybody know who Jim Simbla is? He is the pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. And he shares the story of his daughter who had rebelled against him. And he just had a lot of problems. And, and she finally, he had to let her go. And for two years, she was away from the house. That's one of the hardest things to see your kids take off and not know where they're at, what's going on in their life. But they were in church one night, and you know, the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, their church started through prayer. They had a prayer group. And they were praying, and one of the deacons came up and said, Pastor, I just really feel like we need to pray for your daughter tonight. He goes, okay. So they started praying for her. That night she had a dream that she was going down to a chasm to hell. It was a Saturday night. The next morning, he said he still had shaving cream on his face. He had a knock on the door, and his daughter came running and begging at the bottom of his feet to forgive him. Restored her. God restored her. That's exactly what happened to Neb King Nebuchadnezzar. That's what can happen to your loved ones and your friends Amen. and your kids that are wayward. We're, we're seeing a generation like... I have friends that are pastors and their kids are wayward. I, I, and it's not just pastor's kids. It's, it's a lot of these adults. Their kids are just wayward. And, and yet God can bring them back. There's nothing impossible with God. And we need to believe that he can. It's, don't stop praying for him. You know, the guy that wrote uh, uh, the Amazing Grace, his mama, he was into the slave trade. And his mom prayed for him. I, I can't remember his name. Who knows, remembers his name? Uh, Newton. It was Newton. His mom prayed for him that he would get saved, and he did. So it says he, he honored and glorified him who lives forever. He, look what he says about it. He says his dominion is eternal dominion. He recognized that God is eternal and that he was just a mere man. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. We can say that about our God. 
All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. You and I, compared to God, are what? Nothing. We are what we are because Jesus made us that way. Then he says, all the peoples are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? I love in scripture when it says nobody can hold back his hand. Do you know who the right hand of the Father is? Jesus is. He's the right hand. Anytime you see in scripture in the Psalms, that's Jesus. Nobody can hold back his hand. Hallelujah. So if God is for you, who can be what? Against you. Verse 36, look at this. King Nebuchadnezzar is restored. At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. God demonstrated his grace to King Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. God demonstrated his grace to you and I. That's called mercy. He could have destroyed King Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, not only did he restore him, but he gave him more than what he had before. Kind of reminds you of Job. He reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. Job was righteous. King Nebuchadnezzar was unrighteous. A great example, the prodigal son. Right? He squandered his inheritance. You and I can squander our inheritance. What's our inheritance? Our salvation. And he walked away from his father's house. How many people do you know have walked away from the father's house? Yet God's grace. God's grace. His favor. Grace means unmerited favor. He gives us favor, though we don't deserve it. I think about all the times, even today, man, I, the irritation that I had over to Anybody have one of those days? Today was one of those days for me. I, I'm going to tell you a little bit my day. Okay? I had to go to Tishomingo, take my daughter over there for a, for a dentist appointment. She doesn't like needles. So you spend gas and time to get over there. Well, I figured, well, we're going over there. I haven't had a daddy-daughter date with her for a while. So we decided I was going to take her to the Blue River to go fishing. And I'll get to that in a minute. So we get to the dentist's office, right? She wouldn't take the shots. They couldn't get her to take the shots. I was a little irritated, but I finally said, okay, I get it. She's scared, right? So then we go out to go fishing. And my daughter, I, I showed her, she goes, oh, I know, Dad. So she takes the, the pole, and she flings it and gets me right in the back of the lake. And, and it was barbed, and it gets stuck in the back of my leg. And she's like, Dad, I can't get it. <laughs> so, so there's a guy out there fishing. And he swims over, and here I am, and there's ladies over there and here. And he's having to cut my shorts. And finally, he cuts the shorts, and then the bar, if I came out on I don't. I think I tugged on it enough where it actually ripped the skin. But, but it was just one of those days, right? And then I got the hamburger that I got from Sonic because we had to eat. And I don't know if it was cooked right because I was not feeling good. God reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. And he didn't reign that on me. So, But we all have those days. But God is with us. 
And even when we have our bad days, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And in that story of the prodigal son, he had to come to his senses. And it says the father, could you imagine that the father was waiting for his son to come back? And when he saw the son, who ran to who? The father ran to the son. God runs to us, and how many times do we make mistakes, and we have bad days, and I had a bad day, and I was irritable, and I probably sinned the day. Not probably, I did, right? And yet God still had mercy and grace for me this morning and today. So King Nebuchadnezzar, what ends in all this, and this should be for our life, God gets the exaltation. He gets the praise. Let's look in verse 37. He says, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, he does this in the first person. Praise and exalt and glorify the king of what? Heaven. Because everything he does is what? Right or true. It's true. Everything God does is perfect. God, why are you allowing this? Because I got a plan for it. Because you got a couple rough edges on you. God, why am I stuck in traffic? Like on our way home, not feeling good, and there was a big old semi going like 20 miles under the speed limit. Right? I'm just speaking from experience. I'm telling you how I felt today. Yet, he is right. And all his ways are just. God, it's just not fair. God's just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to do what? Humble. I think if there's anything that we can learn from this tonight is, Lord, you oppose the proud, but you give grace to the humble. Lord, help us to stay in, a, in a, an attitude of humility. You know, and I think that's just coming before the Lord and being honest with him. I'm going to finish with this one. Remember in the scripture where Jesus says the Pharisee came forward and He's like, oh, Lord, I give this much to the, to, of tithes, and I do this, and thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that man back there, right? Yeah. And what did the tax collector do? He stood afar off, and he beat his chest, and he said, Lord, forgive me, I'm such a sinner. And I think, what did Jesus, who went away, justified that day? And I think that's the same for us. You know, don't think more highly than you ought to of yourself. You know who keeps me in the best perspective? My kids. I'm serious. Right when I think you got it all together, they just, they remind me that I don't. And if you don't have kids, if you have animals, they won't remind you. You know, it's true. So, and... <laughs> I have that a lot. Yeah, I think animals do that, but I think, and our kids or family members will tell us the truth about ourselves, right? Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're here tonight with us. As we study the book of Daniel, that I pray, Father, that as we leave tonight, that includes myself, God, you get the glory. You said in Scripture you will not share your glory with anyone. Father, at the times that for any of us tonight, that if we become prideful or we've taken glory for what you did, forgive us. Lord, we want to exalt you. 
We want to praise you. You said, seek first your kingdom and your righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. God, I pray tonight that you would give us a hunger and passion and desire for you. Father, if we become like the church of Ephesus where we've forgotten our first love or we've forsaken, God, bring us back to you. Father, if we've become like the cares and worries of this world choking our relationship out, pull up those weeds, Lord. God, make our hearts soft of the soil, good soil. Lord, and I, I pray that as we leave this place tonight, that we are entering into our mission field, into the harvest field. Give us divine appointments this week to share the gospel with people, to love on people, to help people. And Lord, start at home. Help us to live better at home. Start with me. Help me to live better at home. And I ask all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. God bless you. And we'll see you guys on Sunday. By the way, on Sunday, um, I, I, you know, Saturday's Veterans Day. And so Sunday, I'm going to have the flags up here, and we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always do that on Veterans because or this Sunday, I'm going to do it. But well, I'm going to put the flags up there for, for Saturday. Okay, for Sunday, for Saturday. You get it now? And we're going to do the Pledge of Allegiance, and we're going to recognize those that have served our country. So God bless you. Have a great day. Or great evening. <laughs>